Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Open up your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be at today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us of your Spirit. Father, I pray that that one truth would settle in so deeply today that we would never think of a conversation or a get-together or an evening of recreation in the same way. Father, I pray that we would always be aware, always in awe, that your Spirit dwells in us. Father, teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it is uh, really neat that Romans chapter 8, verse 1 begins with, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, why, why do I think that's really cool? Because if you remember last week, chapter 7, chapter 7 was all about this struggle that is in every born-again believer. Okay, Every born-again believer still has the remnant of the flesh, the old nature, the old sinful inclination towards sin, the pull away from God and into sin. Every, every believer has that, okay? And so when you get the Holy Spirit, now you've got conflict, right? Now you, 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 you do what Paul says. You, you, you don't want to do what you did, and, and you want to do what you didn't do, and you find yourself, you know, in this constant state of conviction and repentance and coming to the cross and battling against sin. And so how cool is it that Paul starts out Romans chapter 8 with this verse, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. There's none. If you're in Christ Jesus, that's the key phrase there. If you are in Christ, if you're joined to Jesus, there is no condemnation upon you. Isn't that good news? Okay, so even if you blow it, like chapter 7, like, like Paul's struggle, like your struggle at times, even if you blow it, God does not condemn you. There is no condemnation on your life. Even if you're not perfect, there's no condemnation. Even if you're, you're bloodied from the battle against sin, there's no condemnation. Even if you came in here today and you're like, you know what? 
I don't belong here. I'm not a church person. By the way, heard that a bunch. I still do not know. After over 20 years in the ministry, I don't know what a church person is. But people say it all the time. I'm not a church person. I don't know what that is. But you come in here, you're like, I'm not a church person. I got this checkered past. If you belong to Jesus, if the Spirit of God is in you, if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Isn't that great news, Lincoln Avenue? None on your life. God is not mad at you. He's not looking down at you. He's not a... There's no condemnation, there's no wrath, there's no penalty, there's no punishment upon a believer. Now, the devil will condemn you, okay? I'm not saying you won't feel condemnation. There's times where the devil will tell you, you're not good enough. Man, you, you're, not, you're, not, you're not like those other people. You don't belong there. You shouldn't even open your Bible. You shouldn't even pray. I hear people say that. I, should not, I just feel like I can't even pray because I'm such a failure. Okay, the devil will condemn you, but the Bible says, for those in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. Why does it say now, no condemnation? Well, it says now because there was condemnation on your life. If you came in here this morning, and honestly, if you just be honest with yourself, your, your mode of operation is you're a good person, right? You would say, hey, ask my family. I'm a good person. Ask my coworkers. I'm a good person. And that's how you're banking on heaven. You're banking on heaven because you believe you've done a pretty good job with your life and you've lived better than most people. If that's how you came in here this morning, the news for you today is you are condemned, okay? You're a condemned man. You're doomed to die and the wrath of God to come on you. And you're, you're, you're doomed for hell forever and ever because there is condemnation on all men. All men are dead men walking without Jesus Christ. But if you are joined to Jesus Christ today, then Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for you. Now, how is that possible? It's possible through, through the gospel. So cha- verse 2 of, of chapter 8 tells us that, that a believer has a new operating system, okay? So on your computer, you have an operating system, right? Every once in a while, it wants you to upgrade to the new operating system, right? You upgrade, and then it messes everything up. That's the way I feel, right? So new operating system. Okay, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You used to operate under the law of sin and death. Now you operate under the law of the Spirit of life, Okay? Why is that possible? Because of verse 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4 of the gospel. You may be here today and you're like, you know, I really want to share Jesus with people, but I do not know exactly what to say. And, and maybe you're one of those people that you get in the moment, you know, you have an opportunity and your tongue ties up and you just lock up and you're, you don't know what to say. Okay, if that's you, here's what I would encourage you. I would encourage you to find a verse or a couple verses in the Bible that condense the gospel, that can kind of serve as a you know, hey, let me read this to you, and then you make comments, you know, as, as you can, or maybe your tongue ties up, and you just read the verse, and it's got enough of the gospel in it that God will use it, right? Verse 3 and 4 are one of those verses. I would say Romans 6, 23 is one of the best, but Romans 8, 3, and 4 is one of those places that you have the gospel kind of right there in a couple verses. So verse 3 says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could not do. Okay, now if I was sharing with somebody, I'd stop right there and say, you know what? You can't be saved by, do, by, by the law, the rules, right? Ten Commandments. You know, a lot of people in Woodward, Oklahoma are going to say, I'm going to go to heaven because I've kept the Ten Commandments. Paul says, you have not. Romans says, you have not. God says, you have not, okay? You have not and you cannot because you're weakened by the flesh. That's that Romans 7, that old nature, that inclination towards sin. You're already broken, okay? Let's keep reading. By sending his own son, this is verse 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh. God sent his son to become man. That's just what that said. And for sin, he sent his son to, to defeat sin. 
He condemned sin. He beat it. Jesus conquered sin in the flesh, verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who is us? That's the question we're going to answer today. Who's us? Here we go. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, who is that? Who are the people that are walking? Okay, now, this is walking. But when the Bible talks about walking, it basically is saying you're, you're Daily life, okay? You're every day going to work, getting the kids up, getting breakfast on the table, mowing the lawn, all that. That's your walk, okay? So who walk according to the Spirit. Now, what does it mean? Who are they who are walking according to the Spirit? Okay, the answer to that question is this. Every born-again believer, and by the way, you may know this, okay? But you don't know all of it. Okay, what I, what I mean by that is, I don't know that it will ever settle in what I'm about to tell you, okay? It hasn't on me. Like, I, I still got to remind myself daily that this is true, okay? Are you ready for this? If, if you're a born-again believer today, then you are indwelt with the Spirit of God Almighty. Okay, look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. What does dwell mean? It means you live, right? The Spirit of God lives. He resides. His address is in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. There's, there's maybe the shortest, most concise, concise definition of a Christian in the Bible. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Jesus. If you do have the Spirit, you do belong to Jesus. All right, and so, so right away we're hit with this big principle, okay, the, the, the Trinitarian God. Why do I say the Trinitarian God? Okay, let, let's talk about that. Maybe, maybe we can clear some things up. How many gods are there? One. One God, right? There's one God in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they're one, okay? And, and, and the cool thing about this passage right here is that, that we get a, a taste of how, how interchangeable that the Bible uses this, okay? So like verse 9, it says, You're, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of who? God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, okay, we had Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, does not belong to Him. But if Christ, verse 10, is in you, all right, see right there, we have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, and then we have the Spirit of God, and we have the Spirit of Christ, Okay? You are indwelt by God, by God the Holy Spirit, who is God. All right, and so the, the truth here this morning, the, the big truth, the truth that hopefully will sink in deeper and deeper, is that God lives in you, if you're a believer here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Okay, th- this is our building, right? It's our building, but this is not our temple. Right? We, 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 actually, we actually don't have a temple where, you know, the Jews had a temple. What was the temple? It was the place where God dwelt, right? That's where God was. He was in the Holy of Holies. That's where, that's where His presence was. That's where you had to go to offer sacrifice. Do we have to do that? Where's it at? Where is that? Is it in Branson? Everybody keeps going there, all the Christians, so it must be in Branson, right? Where, where is the temple? You. It's in you, believers, okay? I'm talking to believers. It's in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
his permanent dwelling place. Man, I'm telling you, that's a glorious thought. I've heard people say, man, I just wish that I would have lived when, when Jesus walked the earth. And wouldn't that have been fantastic to see him on the Sea of Galilee or to listen to him as he preached to the Pharisees in the temple or to walk with him along the roads of Israel? And that would have been cool. But you know what Jesus said about that? He said, there's something cooler. There's something better. He said in, in, in the Gospel of John, he said, it's better that I leave because if I leave, the Spirit will come. Now, why is that better? That's better because the Bible says the Spirit of God will actually live. He will dwell. He will reside in every born-again believer. And in that, He is always near, always speaking truth, always accessible, always there to help, always a resource for everything that you need. Okay? He's in you, in every believer. Okay, not, not just the high-profile ones, not just Billy Graham and Franklin, but not really the rest of us. No, in every born-again believer. You know what I mean? How much more do you need to know that God is committed to your sanctification than that He would move in, right? I mean, as you look around the room today, there's a lot of folks that you're like, nah, I would not move in there. No, you know. I mean, they're okay, and I'll sit with them at Sunday school, but... I'm not moving in. They got those dogs. No, I'm not going. I'll, I'll live in a tent, you know, before I'll do that. Right? I mean, that's real. Okay? God Almighty, in all of your mess, has said, I will move in and live in the believer. I will dwell with them. The Spirit of God in your life, transforming sanctifying. He is the power that brings humility where there's pride, forgiveness, where there's anger, gratitude, where there's grumbling. He is the one who brings fruit. I'm telling you, that, that one truth, if, if we will get a hold of it and dwell upon it and believe it and embrace it, it will change the way you live. The fact that the Spirit of God is close quarters with you. I, I don't change. Man, you'll find yourself going to make a decision that you won't make because the Spirit of God is there. You'll find yourself living in a different way because the Spirit of God is there. I got a friend who, uh, he picks me up sometimes in his truck, and um, man, I, I, I don't know why he does this. I'm convinced that it's to uh, annoy, but he says it's not. He says he likes it, but he, he has his temperature in the truck about 90 degrees. It, it feel, you know, man, I'm telling you, Haddon and I were riding with him one time a while back, and man, we were, gonna, we were passing out. We were going to, you know, and it's like, I'm going to get sick, Dad, you know. I mean, it's, it was so hot, you know. And, and hey, that's great, but when there's other people, you know, I mean, you, you got to remember, we're all sharing this together. The Spirit of God sharing your body. I, mean, I just, I struggle to get a hold of that. He's resigned. And what does that mean? That means you got to be mindful of that. Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean? Well, that means if you're living in such a way, it's like being in that closed-up truck and you brought your Indian food from two weeks ago, you know? <laughs> Crack the Tupperware open, you know? You're going to grieve me, okay? You're going to grieve me because of what I think of Indian food, right? Not Native American, but India, all right? That, that's going to grieve me. And, and Ephesians 4.30 says there are ways of living that grieve the Holy Spirit. And you've you got to remember, He lives within you. That changes absolutely everything for a believer. Now, here's, here's good news, okay? 
The person you love more than anybody else in this world. The person who you admire more than anyone. The person who you want to be like. The person who who you want to impress more than anyone. The person you're most excited about your future with. The person who is most influential in his ability to change anything and everything in your life. The person who always has the right answer for you. Always says the right thing. That person has moved in to dwell with you. Now, and I want to stop you right there. Is if as I was going through that list, you know, the person you most admire, that you most love, that you most want to be like, if as I'm going through that list, you're thinking of your sweetheart, your Valentine sweetheart, you're deluded, okay? You're deluded. You should not have anybody in your life. I hate to be a Valentine's downer. You should not have anybody in your life that you depend on to be your everything. That's, that's, nobody was ever, ever meant to be that. Jesus should be that person that you admire more than anyone, that you want to be like, that you want to impress, that you're most excited about, that has anything and everything, the ability to change anything and everything in your life, who has the right answer in all things in your life. You should believe that about Jesus. And you you should embrace it. He's moved in. He has moved in. He is close. He is near. This doctrine of the indwelling Holy Spirit inside of you, it seriously ought to change everything. It ought to be the biggest factor in your sanctification, right? I mean, how? think about this. How are you going to gossip against another believer knowing that the Spirit of God lives in you? When, when, when you are gossiping, and I'm not saying like Christians don't gossip. What, what did we learn from last week, Romans 7? What did we learn? Man, there, our flesh, it, it, we are sinful in our members, okay? What James say about the tongue? Man, it's the hardest one of all to tame, Right? It wants to say bad things about others to exalt ourselves. And so that's just real. But think about this. How would it change things if we were always aware that God is near? I think it would because James 5, 9 says this. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You see his motive there? Don't grumble against what? Why? Judge, he's near. Let's say you had children's church. Man, did you see all them critters go out of here? I'm telling you. It's like, where did they come from? Someone bust them, you know? That's pretty cool. Say you had children's church, and man, there was one kid that was, wow, you know? I mean, talk about a thorn in the flesh. I mean, you had it tough, okay? And hey, listen, that's just going to happen, all right? If, If that was your kid today, listen, that's been my kid before, you know? I mean... Hadden, for the longest time, when he was in the nursery, man, I mean, kids would come out of there with bite marks like nobody's business, you know, and June would be like, Pastor Jason in the nursery, you know, and all the older ladies would be like, don't meet him again, you know, I was like, we got to, you know, we got to get this thing, but man, there was a season, and man, he grew out of that, he's a fine young man now, but there was a season when, you know, people were doubting whether that was going to be, so that's your kid it's okay. It's all right. So let's say it was your kid, you know. So the children's work, church workers, man, they come out of there, and it's like they've been in Nam again. You know, they're shaking, and it's bad. And, and your friend says, how was children's church? And you're like, oh, man, that one kid, he was a terror. And I tell you what, I couldn't keep him out of the bathroom, and he was painting the walls. And he, you know, and as you're saying this, all of a sudden, your friend's eyes get big, Okay. And you don't see anybody. You don't see anybody, but your friend's eyes got big all of a sudden. And this terror hits you. Maybe that kid's mom is behind you. And all of a sudden, listen, all of a sudden, 
It tra- even though you don't see anybody, it transforms your speech, right? All of, your sudden, all of a sudden you're like, oh, but they're a precious little angel of the Lord, and I'm so happy to minister to them, and boy, I know they're good, and all, they, they, he was really sweet after he put poop on the walls. After that, I, he was great, you know? I mean, you change your tone immediately, and you don't even know that anybody's back there, but the thought that somebody might be changes the way you live. I'm not telling you the Spirit might be back there. I'm telling you, He is there. And when we are gospel, you know what that means? We are for the moment not believing that we are indwelt by the Spirit of Almighty God. Oh, we wouldn't talk about His kids, right? That's one example, but there's a million. Paul, 1 Corinthians 6, talks about sexual immorality. And man, Paul's like flipping out in 1 Corinthians 6 saying, How in the world... Could, could a believer, how can you commit sexual immorality knowing that you are joined to Jesus, that Jesus, you, you're one with Christ? You see, see where he's going? He say, man, don't you understand this incredibly important reality that you are indwelt with the Spirit of Almighty God? And so here's what Paul is saying in Romans 8. Okay, He's saying, positionally, why are you not going to go to hell? If you're here today and you're not going to go to hell, only one reason, only one reason, and that is this, because Jesus Christ lived the perfect life and then died a substitutionary death, and you put your faith in him, and his righteousness came into your account. That's the only reason you're not going to hell. There's only one, okay? But here's what Paul's saying. Paul goes further. He's saying if that's true of you today, positionally, that you have Christ's righteousness, then what's also true is God puts his spirit inside of you to begin to change the way that you live, to begin to transform you, okay? Now, what are the practical mechanics of how that happens? Go to verse 5, okay? So we're going to spend the rest of our time here in verse 5 and 6 uh, talking about what, what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? Okay, we've talked about being indwelt by the Spirit. What's it look like to walk by the Spirit? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now let's talk about that right away. Okay, so Paul says, first of all, that the difference between living according to the flesh and living according to the Spirit is a mindset, Okay. And by the way, the Bible uses this set your mind. It uses it over and over again, lots, okay? It's, it's pretty important. In fact, one of, one of the most famous passages is in Philippians. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, um, Paul talks about Jesus. And he says, have this mind, have this mind, have this thought process that was in Jesus Christ. When he's talking about humility and unity, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he's in the form of God, he, he let go of his privileges, you know, and he embraced servanthood and sacrifice, okay? So, so this mindset thing is, is common. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, set your mind on things above, okay? So when Paul says in Romans 8, he says, he says, the person in the flesh sets their mind on the things of the flesh. Now, what are the things of the flesh, okay? So what is the mindset of someone, first of all, who doesn't know Jesus at all? They only have one mindset, only one, and, and it's that of the flesh, and so what is the mindset of the flesh? So your flesh is your inclination towards sin. It's your bent towards sin. What does the flesh desire? Here's how I would answer that. Okay, we could, we could spend a long time, you know, going through all kinds of different ways of answering that. Here's what I would say. The flesh desires self-exaltation. I think that sums it up. 
Okay? Me. Me. Okay? And it disregards God. So two things there. The flesh does not think about God. It does not honor God. It does not want God. It is not impressed by God. It is not thinking, man, I, I need more of God. It, it, it doesn't want God. It wants me. Self-exaltation. To exalt self. Okay, so, so how, how does that live itself out? Turn to Galatians 5. So if you got your Bibles, turn a couple pages over. Galatians 5. Uh, get your bulletin and put it in there because we're going to be back and forth from the rest of our time between Romans 8 and Galatians 5. Okay? So, Galatians 5 is another passage about walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. The flesh and the Spirit are opposed to each other. And in verse 19, it says this, the works of the flesh are evident, okay? So when someone has a me, me, I want, I want my exaltation, I want it my way, I, I, I want what I want, when they have that mindset lived out, what happens? Here we go. You ready? Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality. Let's stop right there, okay? We can group all three of those basically under this principle. A mindset focused on the flesh gratifies itself without regard to what God says. Why is there sexual morality? Two reasons. First reason, we are all, all of us, hardwired with sexual desire. That's just true. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. God did it. God designed us that way. What does the mindset of the flesh say, though? The mindset of the flesh says, I do not care what God says about that. I want what I want, right? And so a mindset that says, I don't care what God says. I don't care, I don't care what he says. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I, I'm bored of that. You know, you can listen to that. But I want to do what I want to do, which will result in all kinds of different forms of sexual morality. Let's keep reading. Verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality. Notice the next one, idolatry. Okay, so a, my, a, a mindset that says, I'm not concerned about the true God, I'm concerned about me, it's going to make a God out of all kinds of other things that it believes can advance me, right? That's why people worship money. Why? Because it can make me something, right? It, it, it can help me. It can, it's all about me. Next one, sorcery. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. I had a couple of pharmacists in the last service, and I was, I was really, I had to tell them that the word sorcery in the Greek is where we get our word for pharmacy, so pharmaceuticals. And so I told them, next time you go into Walgreens, say, I'd like to talk to the sorcerer, please. You know. <laughs> that's probably not, that's probably going too far, you know, but... Why, why, why would the word pharmacae, I believe it is, why, why would that be sorcery? Well, in, in, in the days of the Bible, witchcraft often was, was um, included drugs. It inclu- why? Because basically you're trying to reach a higher level, right? Another reality of consciousness. And, and here's the heart of, of all witchcraft and really of all drug use. All drug use is simply saying, I'm looking for power or pleasure in something else, right? So a person that takes methamphetamines, why do they do that? They do that because they're like, I, I, right now, I want to be powerful. I want to be beautiful. I want to be in control. I want to think, man, I'm the best thing ever, and I have no failures, and, and life is awesome. I, I want that now, and I'm not, I'm not interested in having that truly. I'll take, I'll take a false reality. 
I'll take a lie. I'll take a delusion, which is what drugs is. Now, do you see how that leaves God out of the whole picture? You know, they're not saying, God, show me the way of truth. Show me how to get happiness truly. Show me, God, show me how to get fulfillment truly. Show me how to, get, how, how, to, how, to get, how to get contentment truly. No, they're not interested in truth. It's like, I'll take it whatever way I can get it. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Listen to these. We got to group these because we can't take them all at one time. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions. All right? What are all those about? You know what they're all about? I did not get my way, right? It's all about me. It's all about a disregard for God. And it's about, hey, whoa, I didn't get my way. When I don't get my way, we've got a conflict, right? When I don't get my way enough, we've got hatred. When I don't get my way enough, we've got fits of anger, explosions of, of, of anger, right? Blowing up. We've got rivalries. We've got this group and that group pitted against one another. We have dissensions and divisions. And it's all based in, I'm not concerned about what God thinks. I want my way. It's a mindset on the flesh. Last two there, uh, or last three, I guess, envy, drunkenness. I'd kind of group envy, actually, in the others. Drunkenness and orgies. Maybe we could group those in just saying, the flesh does not ever tell itself no. You know what God says? God says, in order to love me, there's going to be times where you have to tell yourself no. Tell your flesh no. But drunkenness and orgies are both examples of people who do not, cannot, won't tell their flesh no. So what's the result of the flesh? Well, verse 7, back in, in uh, Romans 8, verse 7, it says this, For the mind that's still in the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right. Let's look at the Spirit, okay? Better news here. So going back to verse 5, Romans 8, 5. It says, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So we already looked at, what does the flesh desire? Me, right? Self-exaltation. What does the Spirit desire? Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to group this into two big categories. What does the Spirit desire? Well, John 16, 14 says this of the Holy Spirit. It says, he will glorify, Jesus is talking, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So, first of all, what does the Spirit desire? The Spirit desires to glorify Jesus, okay? You know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in you? He's going to tell you how great Jesus is, right? Right? That, you, you know where we were we at uh, a few minutes ago where I gave you that list? Who do you love most? Who, do you, who are you most impressed with? You know, who are you most excited about spending your future with? Okay? If that wasn't Jesus, you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to help you see that it is Jesus, okay? He wants to help you see the glory and the greatness and the satisfying nature, how rich Christ is, is and how he's made us rich and how he's blessed us and the wonderful future that is promised for us. That's what God is doing in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Okay? He is drawing us to see the greatness of Jesus. And as that happens, you know what happens? You trust him. Okay? Your life begins to change because you begin to trust Jesus. Okay? The Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. Let's not make it all about Jason. Let's make it all about Jesus. And as you see how great he is, you begin to trust him and love him and follow him more. Okay? Second big category. What does the Spirit desire? Well, if you're, 
The best way to know what the Spirit desires is this book right here. Y'all got one of these? If you don't have one of these, let us know. We'll get you one, okay? It's called the Bible. And here's what we know about the Bible. The Bible was written by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? So to set your mind on the things of the Spirit, if this is what the Spirit says, if this is what He desires, then this is how to set your mind on things of the Spirit. You, You know, a lot of people struggle with, and I have in the past, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, right? So every believer in this room is indwelt with the Spirit. Not every believer. It's very doubtful that every believer right now is filled with the Spirit, right? Some of you, you might have gotten mad when you came in about something, you know, your, your, your sweetie, you know, you woke up this morning and they were like, Happy Valentine's Day, and there was a duster and a broom and a mop, and they're like, I thought you could use new ones, you know. So maybe you're still kind of burned about that. You're still kind of cranky over it. And so you're not filled with the Spirit, right? You're, you got fleshly thoughts going on, right? Right? Okay, so not everybody's filled with the Spirit. How do you get filled with the Spirit? Like, how do you get controlled by the Spirit? I was in a Bible study with some guys yesterday, and we were in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3.16, it says this. Let the word of Christ, right here, dwell in you richly. Okay? And then, interesting, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then it says a whole bunch of stuff. Teaching and admonishing one another and wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Uh, do everything with the word of deed in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Okay, so it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then it says, be thankful, um, sing to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, um, uh, and submit to one another, and husbands, love your wives. When you go over to Ephesians, okay, Ephesians chapter 5, it says, don't get drunk with wine, this is verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then guess what it says? Address one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in heart with the Lord. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Christ loves you. The exact same sequence. Okay? So, you know what that does? That helps me understand what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Part of what it means, or part of how we're filled with the Spirit, is letting His Word dwell in us richly. This is the desire of the Spirit. And so, this is why you can open up to Colossians 3, just right where we were. And you can say, what does the Spirit desire? Well, one, verses 1 through 4, set your mind on things above, where Christ is, not on things of the earth. Verse 5, put to death what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, almost the exact, the exact sequence of Galatians 5. Okay, uh, Put away anger, put away wrath, that's in verse 8. Uh, put on the new self. Verse 12, put on compassion and kindness. And, and verse 13, bear with one another and forgive one another. And, and verse 18, wives, submit to your husband. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives. Verse 20, children, obey your parents. That's the Spirit's desire. That's what He wants. Okay, That's a way of us saying, God, I want what you want. That's what's best. I trust that's where life is. Not what my flesh wants. Now, what happens when we do that is what the Bible describes as the fruit of the Spirit. Let me read that to you. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's what's going to happen when the Spirit is in control. Now, let, let me tell you what not to do. Okay, A lot of people read the passage of the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And you know what they do? 
they'll, they'll stop on one that convicts them. Like they'll be like, love, joy, joy. And they'll start thinking, you know what? I wonder if the people at work call me Eeyore because I'm not very joyful. You know, I always thought it's because I like Winnie the Pooh. But I wonder if it's not, you know, I am kind of grumpy, you know? And you get convicted about, you know what? I'm not very joyful. And so here's where people go wrong. They get up the next morning and they're like, okay, today I'm going to work on joy. I'm going to work on joy. Joy, 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 joy. I have joy, you know? And they come out of their house and, and they, they start the car. <clears throat> it won't start, you know? Oh, you know, but they're like, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Jeez, come on, come on, come on. Joy, joy, joy. You know, and so they switch all the cars around, but, you know, they got to take the wife to work and the kids to school and they're late. And they come in. And this old boy says some wisecrack about them being late. And they're like, joy. Ah, oh, forget it, you know, yeah, and that's it, you know, it's gone. Then they feel bad, and then there's this internal battle. It's Romans 7, right? I do what I don't want to do. I keep doing what I, right? That's the way most people do it. That's the wrong way to do it. Here's the right way to do it, okay? I want to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so what should I do? I should take my mind off the flesh and put it where? On the Spirit. So instead of waking up and saying, all right, joy today, you know what I should wake up? I should wake up and say, Jesus today. Jesus, what does he want? Right? You walk out, you'd think your cards start right up if you say that, right? No, it's still, ah, you know, doesn't run. And you're like, ah, you're like, hold on. Jesus. All right, Jesus, you're in control of all things. You're sovereign over all things. You're sovereign over this engine. You're sovereign over this car. And you know what? In your word, things of the Spirit, right? In your word, it says, God works all things together for good. So, Lord, I'm just going to trust you today. Lord, thank you for me getting more time with my wife and kids. I'll take her to work. I'll take the kids to school. We'll say some verses. Jesus, Jesus, right? I'm thinking about Jesus. What does he desire in this situation? You walk into work. Here's the wisecrack. Here it comes. All right, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Your word says in Romans 12, you know, don't 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 give evil for evil, but bless instead of curse. And so you're like, hey, buddy, thanks for reminding me I was late. You know, I, I need to know that. I'm sure going to try better. And, you know, uh, I just, I, you know, I, I try not to be, but I had a rough day. Hey, pray for me if you would. And all of a sudden, man, that whole person's countenance changes. Later on at, at work, they were like, you know what? You told me to pray for you, but I've never prayed for anybody. You know, are you a Christian? Yeah, you know, here now you got an opportunity, right? I think you'll find yourself being joyful. That's what I'm saying. Why? Because your mind is not set on the flesh. It's set on the spirit. So what's a mark of born-again believers? We are indwelt by the spirit of God. He's always there. He's always there. You take him wherever you go. What's the mark of someone filled with the spirit? It's someone who sets their mind on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh. Let's ask for God's help. Lord, we want to walk out of here today uh, as people who are not fleshly minded. God, we don't, we don't want to walk out of here being consumed with me. God, we know that's broken. We know it's hostile to you. We know we can't please you that way. We know it leads to death. Father, we want to walk out of here today with a mind set upon the Spirit. And so, Lord, please help us. Help us see the greatness of Jesus, that he's everything we need. Help us to embrace the wonderful truth that you you live in us. You're always there. Always a source of power and strength and goodness. Help us to tap into that. Father, we love you. In Christ's name, amen.